Brenda Lane. An Underpinnings podcast is presented by Frederick and Kimberly's Aveda Salon in St. Joseph and Meister Witkowski Photography in Stevensville. Also sponsored by Full Circle Cafe and Espresso Bar in Stevensville. Simply stepping inside Frederick and Kimberly's Aveda Salon will have you falling in love with the proprietary scents of Aveda products for hair, skin, and aromatherapy. Aveda products are environmentally friendly, and millions already trust Aveda with their hair and body. However, due to coronavirus closure of non-essential businesses in Michigan, Frederick and Kimberly's Aveda is following that order for everyone's safety. To ensure you can still experience your favorite Aveda products, including Shampure, Cherry Almond, Beautifying, Rosemary Mint, and Stress Fix, visit frederickandkimberleys.com and click on Shop, and the shipping's free. So continue to shop Aveda for hair, body, and skin care at frederickandkimberleys.com. That's Frederick with a C. This is Brenda Lane, and again, we are still taping from our individual homes and uh, under the stay-at-home order in the state of Michigan. So you might hear the lawnmowers and the dogs. Uh, I know you'll hear my clock chiming at some point, (laughs) but we welcome you to uh, join us today. I'm very excited to talk with Trenton Bowens today. Trenton is a longtime activist, and he's the organizer of yesterday's Peace March in Benton Harbor. Trenton, gosh, we go back a really long ways but uh, I want to hear your story of becoming uh, an activist because I, I know you started very, very young being involved in kind of what was happening in your community and in the area. Yes. Um, long story short, I was, in, I believe, a freshman or sophomore in high school. And back then, George Bush was president. And I believe we were getting ready to we were in war, the economy was going down, and I got to see the plight of the people of Bitten Harbor, the struggles that they are dealing with. I'm not originally from this area, I'm an army brat, and being in Bitten Harbor, I was only supposed to be here for two years, it's now going on 22 years, and I just realized that someone needs to fight for the people, somebody needs to advocate on that single mom that has to deal with the slum landlord or the injustice with our police department or being disqualified for a job or the housing that our citizens here are dealing with. Somebody needed to advocate better. Look at the infrastructure. I We had to do something about that. So that's how I decided either I stay on the couch, sit on the couch, or I get out on the street and start working. So what did you do, Trenton, in those early years when you started seeing these problems and injustices? I started my own organization back then called Bitten Harbor Youth and Government. We've hosted debates then. Um, we've hosted town halls. And we engage young people to learn about the governmental processes. I've also got involved with other committees, such as Citizens for Progressive Change, CWCC, Kellogg Leadership for Community Change, the Boys and Girls Club. And we made sure I was a student advocate for, when I was a student at Britain Harbor High School, I was the student board of education member. I remember my 11th grade year, I had a teacher that was crying because she couldn't get us new books. 
And me being a city, me being a, who I am, I got us a petition. And I remember making every student sign that was in those classes um, so we could get books. And that's when we were able to get things opened up. Trenton, do you feel, I think that's wonderful that you did that and that you learned early on that one person really can make a difference. But what are some of the other things that you feel that you have been able to accomplish or see through to more positive change as a result of your activism? The perfect example is the city income tax. When I first introduced it, I had, uh, uh, how to put it? Everybody was out to get me. I had someone, people were making Facebook, Facebook, Facebook pages and everything. I was being stopped. I was even being recalled. Um, they were trying to recall me because, oh, God forbid, this kid is trying to get some money from our paychecks. Um, the first you were time- a, were you, a, you, were a city, hang on, you were a city commissioner at the time? Yes, I was a city commissioner for the city of Benton Harbor Second Ward. Okay. Um, I had to- did something that was never done before. I went outside the community and I brought people into the community, organizations, nonprofits, um, and other municipalities that have the city income tax and how it helped their community and how it could help our community. It felt that time um, we were outspent. I think we had $2,000 and the people that did not want the city tax had over $17,000. Wow. So we got lost that time. But then a few years later, we tried it again. They spent, I believe it was $20,000. And we only had $1,000, $1,000. And I set up town halls, social media um, town halls, um, phone conferences. We went door to door. And we got, I, I remember on election day, I took off from work and knocked on the individual's doors, making sure they came out to vote and gave them a ride to vote. And we were successful with getting that accomplished. So far, since that's been accomplished, we've gotten over, I want to say the city has gotten over $3 million um, that we did not have in Bitten Harbor. Bitten Harbor's a cash strap city. We've gotten over $3 um, million that we've been able to work and repair our streets. Wow. Now, speaking of work, Trenton, what, what is your day job? I have two jobs. My one day job, my main day job is an order fulfillment specialist at Warpool Corporation. And my other job is I'm a direct care support staff member for Sacred Heart Rehabilitation Center. And what is it, what type of work do you do in that second job, Trenton? Um, my second job, I deal with clients that are battling substance abuse. Um, okay. And it's a life-changing experience. You know, I, when I first started, I said, what in the world am I getting myself into? And then you become to fall in love with those clients and you worry, how are they doing once they leave? They stay there for 14 days and they go to um, a sober living or they go home, but you develop an attachment and you, sometimes you're a counselor. Sometimes you're just like a voice they can talk to and everything and speak with. Have you, have you personally battled substance abuse, Trenton? No. Okay. But you just want to help people that are going through that in their lives. That is correct. Highly admirable. Thank, thank you for doing that. 
Um, let's get a little bit more to the topic at hand. Oh, now, are you still a, a city commissioner right now? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Okay, that's in, that's for right now in your past. But I understand you might be looking at uh, maybe the Benton Harbor School Board. Yes, I'm thinking hard um, on running, you know, our kids in Benton Harbor. As you're aware, last year they tried to shut the high school down. Um, the right. state did. And the kids when, you say, when you say they, you're talking about the state of Michigan. That is correct. Right. And the kids of Bitten Harbor have been tested for many years like guinea pigs. Each year, it's something new. Now, the education test results show that our kids are not receiving a quality education. But a taxpayer should not have to worry about sending their kid outside the community that they're paying tax dollars in to get a quality education. And I believe Bitten Harbor parents needs and the children of Bitten Harbor need a fighter that's going to put the children first, that's going to make sure the kids are receiving a quality education, a safe learning environment, and that we are obtaining the best and brightest teachers um, should come to our district. Well, now that we uh, have gotten to know you a little bit, Trenton, let's let's go ahead and get more to the topic at hand, which is the the march that you the peaceful march that you organized uh, in one day, by the way, that took place in Benton Harbor yesterday afternoon. Um, I was not there, although I was following it closely on the news and on social media <clears throat> due to the. <clears throat> excuse me, to the coronavirus and my underlying conditions, I really have been trying to, to stay away from other people. Um, and I saw a few others saying the same thing that we're following on Facebook, but it appeared to me to be a very well-organized and peaceful march with everyone wearing masks and social distancing and um, basically a, a peaceable protest. Yes, I am still overwhelmed and I'm shocked. Um, you know, I was worried, would I have a good outcome? Would people come? What was the weather going to be and everything? Everything that you can think could go wrong, you're worried about when you're planning an event such as that. In the middle of a pandemic, no less. Correct. We had to yeah. make sure where we could get face masks from to make sure everybody had face masks on and everything. So tell me a little bit about the day and, and how it went. Well, it's yesterday, um, May 31st, I we did a peace march and we um we started at the old start? we started off at the old Teddy Roosevelt Park in okay. Benton Harbor and we marched all the way to the Dwight Pete Mitchell City Park, which was about a half a mile. And we had several speakers. Congressman Fred Upton even was in attendance. And I saw Mayor Marcus Muhammad, and I heard, I heard some of his words. Yes, the mayor spoke. Um, we've had local pastors speak, and we also had um, people that experienced losing a loved one by the police. Was one parent spoke about losing her son that was killed by the police? Um, he was shot by the police for a situation. Um, I'm not you know, she's quite sure, but she got to speak on that. And then we had one that was wrong, who feels that their son and friend were wrongly convicted by 
the Barron County Courthouse because the police lied on a report. About how many people would you estimate came for the march? Between 300 to 400 people. Yep, that's about what I would have said, just, just taking a look at it. And I, my, um, I guess my impression is after what I saw, not only on uh, television news, but also on social media, it looked like a relative equal mix of uh, people of color and white people. That is correct. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to tell you, for those that are people of faith, I think we got to experience what heaven would look like. Um, it was you, you had your Caucasian, you had your white, you had your Caucasian pastors, you had your African-American pastors. It was just incredible. I even think we had a, a, two Koreans there, or, or, or I should say Oriental, sorry. Yeah, that's all right. We all, listen, we all struggle with, you know, trying to be respectful of people from, you know, from other cultures. And I want to get into that again in just a minute. But did you, as you were planning this, were you concerned as you were watching the uh, marches in other communities and cities across the country where things were turning violent? Were you ever concerned about that? Yes, I was concerned. Um, I, I was concerned. But, you know, a lot of the violence that you see on TV, I think I mean, what's happening in Minneapolis, the governor said, or the mayor said they arrested one day over 90 people and all of them were out of towners. Right, so I was more them. worried about I was more worried about out of towners coming to the community causing havoc. That's what one of my fears were. OK, well, it was very peaceable. There was no violence of any kind. But at the same time. Many St. Joseph stores and businesses were closing as a result of your planned march. Yes. You know, I'm totally upset with that. It decided what that happened with that situation was the St. I'm told St. Joe police went to local businesses and told them that we were having a protest in March and it could be right. And we were going to, um, go to St. Joe. Number one, I'm just going to be honest with you, Brenda. I am scared of bridges and I will not walk across no bridge, especially <laughs> the Centennial Bridge. So that was out the question. Um, and, you know, it wasn't even, I had no notion of us riding. It was peaceful. It was labeled Bitten Harbor Peace March. Um, we had no intentions on going over to St. Joe. What it continued to do is show that the divide. It can allow to show division, fear. And one thing I do know, we're stronger together. Um, Trenton str- for president. <laughs> yes, <sorry. laughs> I, I, I believe we're stronger together. At the end of the day, we all believe the same blood. And it's a songwriter named Mandisa. And she says, if we're going to fight, let's fight together. Because if you are my brother... And you're doing bad and I'm doing good, I morally should be helping you. If we're trying to make Southwest Michigan be a thriving and attractive community, you just can't have one city thriving and the other city not. You can't have this racial divide. You can't have this fear mongering. And it just totally upset me to see that. And I thought St. Joe was better from that, but it speaks volumes of the leadership of the police chief 
the mayor, the character, it speaks a lot of value. Well, I think that you said, I think one of the words that you said is really the key word. And I think that is fear. Yes. It's, but what are you fear of? in fear of? When Bitten Harbor had its rights, granted, we have had a past in 2003. Did we go over to St. John right then? So what really are you in fear of? Are you in fear because mm-hmm. you thought these out of control Black people that were protesting downtown were going to come over and cause hell and havoc? Have we did it yet in St. Joe? No, you know, I, one of the local businesses just told all of their employees that due to taking preventive measures, they are now closing at eight o'clock. And the, one of the staff members said, why? And they said, riots. Or you think about that elderly grandperson that ran out of a prescription and she tried to go to Walgreens last night to go get her medicine and Walgreens closes because of a pending riot. And no one has said nothing about a riot. Did that really happen or are you just posing that no, as that a... that really has happened. Oh, that really um, happened. Okay. Walgreens closed last night early because they were afraid of a riot. Well, you know, relations between, you know, people of color and, and Caucasians has such a long history. And I, I think that there are a lot of people, I would put myself in that category, that are, are very sensitive and hurt and upset and actually right now really angry about the injustices that we see towards people of color. By the way, political correctness, do, do people of color prefer black, African-American people of color? What, what, do you, what, do you, what is the term that you use? What's the, the prevailing preference right now, Trenton? You know, that's a good question. Um, I, I guess it would depend on who it is. I use bl- black, African-American. Well, the signs say black lives matter, but then I feel like people are always very careful to say African-American. Yes, I really think it depends on who who it really is. Okay. And then really people of color has, is being used to re- represent really anyone who's not Caucasian, right? That is correct. You know, I, I yeah. want to bring a perfect point to you. During the when people of color, a lot of them are being discriminated against. Perfect example. I'll never forget. I was in Chicago getting off of Amtrak coming from Chicago. I'm coming from Missouri, sorry. And I was in Chicago at Union Station and something happened on the train. I didn't know nothing about it. I wasn't even in that section. And it, it was, uh, I believe she was Mexican. And the police stopped us and wanted to see our ID. And I said, you're not seeing anybody else's. What's going on? And he's like, I'm looking for someone. And then the Amtrak attendant was like, oh, no, those are not the people. But I handed him my city commissioner business card. And he was like, is this really you? I said, I wouldn't be carrying somebody else's business card around. Um, And it just, you know, the Mexican lady said, well, you know, anybody that's a person of color, they're always going to stereotype. But then you also look at the corona situation. You had the Chinese, um, people were stereotyping Chinese, Japanese people, you know, they were going through some tough times or during when 9-11 yeah. happened, you remember a lot of people were going afraid of the Indians and the Arabs, you know, so right. 
it's just not, I, I think it's just not when you say people of color, it, it does, they all go through something. Yeah. Well, you know, I can, I can empathize and I can have compassion for the, the plight, the current situation of the, the black person, but I can't really relate, but I, I do stand with you. I think that there are a lot of Caucasians, a lot of white people who feel that way, who want to stand with our, our black friends and neighbors and, 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 and neighbors, in some cases, relatives too. But I think sometimes we just don't know what to do, what will make a difference, what will matter, what will be accepted by the black community. Can you, can you help us with that? You know what I, I've learned just during the protest yesterday? Um, yesterday, it's when all the people first started coming, it was the park was filled with white people. And I looked at the people from Bitten Harbor and they were looking and, you know, and I told one of the citizens, he was just walking. I made him come to the protest. I said, isn't it amazing how you won't stand up for yourself, but everybody else is standing up for you? Um, and he said, yeah. And he ended up, I gave him a sign. and said, get in line. We're marching. <laughs> but I, I think there's not a way uh, you can say. Uh, I, I, the white person would never feel how a black person feels. I, it's a dialogue that does need to happen, though. It would never understand how a white person feels. Perfect example, I'll never forget. I was working, and somebody, a Caucasian coworker, told us it was a team full of black people. You know what they need to do to Bitten Harbor? And we were like, uh huh. He's like, they need to get the ghetto out of Bitten Harbor. Well, you know, a lot of people consider streets that we may live in on as the ghetto. And it caused the uproar. And our boss and everything, you know, the coworker got in trouble and somebody had to break it down to our boss. And our, the coworker was like, I didn't intend for it to come out like that. I didn't know you guys, you know, it would be that sensitive. I didn't think saying you guys Bitten Harbor was the ghetto was a bad thing. But to him, he, you know, it may be portrayed as we live in the slums or ghetto, but to Bitten Harbor folks, that's home. I hope I'm making sense to you. Well, I understand what you're saying. And sometimes the things that we say that we don't intend to come a certain way we actually are offensive to the other person. Yes. So I, I think in order to understand each other, like a Caucasian person, a white person, would, um, a lot of them don't think that they have white privilege. Uh, yeah, I, I really, really think about the way we, we live. You know, I'm seeing a lot of people making analogies uh, lately, especially on social media. And as, you know, as a white mother of a black son who, or a white, a white mother of a white son who is about to turn 20 years old, I've been putting myself in the place of what if our skin was a different color and how would life and how would I be worried about my son in a different way and I can definitely see it when I really try to put my face yes you know and it's it's sad even looking at the local um prison system the criminal system you can see I, I can never forget a couple of years ago it was a murder two murders one was 
one got off because it was said self-defense. It have one happened in Coloma, one happened in Benton Harbor. The other one that he got 65 years and he seen the gun on the guy and he's seen the guy getting ready to um, grab the gun. So he shot him and the police says that wasn't self-defense. Um, so you look at the sentencings, even in an African-American and Caucasian, we're sentenced at a different level. When we go to apply for jobs, the pay raise, I mean, the pay is different for African-Americans versus its Caucasian counterparts. You know, working at one job, I applied for 13 different jobs for an interview. And when one of the Caucasian managers told me, Trenton, I don't know why you're not getting these jobs because you are a good interviewer. It didn't happen until they brought a new boss into the company and he interviewed me and he says, wow. He says, I never seen something like that. You're a great interviewer. And I often wonder, was my race a factor? Yeah, and you, you always have to wonder how, that. Yes, was my race a factor? It's something that you have to wonder. Or when you're driving and you see a police behind you, so you have to make sure you're driving slow and you're doing everything right so you won't get pulled over. You're constantly scared when you see the police. Or when you get pulled over, you want to go on Facebook Live and make sure you're recording so nothing is misconstrued or anything. And if anything happens, somebody can see. Or when you're going into St. Joe and you are going in with the hoodie or into the store and people are looking at you. Or when a Caucasian person is talking to you and they're talking down to you and pointing their finger in your face. And when you tell them they're wrong and that's disrespectful, they'll look at you like you're making a big deal or you're playing the race card. Well, there's no doubt that life is different for Black people in this country in, in several different ways, in, in every way, really, in every way. I, I don't think that we should, you know, kind of let this interview end without um, speaking of George Floyd and his death, his his tragic death, his wrong death, which started really kind of this, this whole conversation again, but he's not the only one. I mean, you have a, a gentleman, Christian Cooper, just watching the birds in Central Park. Um, you know, how soon one problem replaces another, right? I mean, right now we're yeah. all worried about George Floyd. Two weeks ago, it was Christian Cooper who had a, a white female walking her dog, call the police on him and falsely completely make up a lie about him attacking her. And, you yeah. know, even a, a, a black man, Ahmad Arbery, going out for a jog and ending up, you know, being shot by white people who feel justified in that action. Yes, it's crazy times that we're living in. And, you know, you even look at the perfect example, Bitten Harbor. Two years ago, we had a Caucasian police officer. One of the guys, granted, he shouldn't have been running. But the police officer ran him over when he seen him. Well, he hit him with his car. If you and I hit a person on purpose with the car, we're going to jail or we're getting, you know, a ticket or something's going to happen to us. Um, the court system... 
let he got off he got he got off the system he didn't get charged you know they dropped it then we had another police officer in december beat a kid up at the gas station for running and broke his arm from hitting him that hard this is it's like so the situation that's happening in Minneapolis and you, it's so becoming a familiar story. So Trenton, you know, how do you, and I know you can't speak for every black person, but you know, how does the black community feel about the law enforcement community in, in general? I mean, are you fearful of every single police officer? Um, do you think that there are just a few bad apples out there? You know, I'm not scared of the police officers. I do think it's a few bad bad police officers. I was always raised to respect the rule of law and the police are there to protect and serve. And I'm probably biased because my uncle is the sheriff of all clear. And um, I'm sorry, he's the chief of all clear. I was going to say, I don't think there's a sheriff of all clear, but yeah, he's the (laughs) chief there. Okay. Yes, he's the chief of all clear. And one of my cousins were a police officer in Benton Harbor. So I've grown up always known to respect the rule of law and respect the police officers. I will say I have had my match with some Benton Harbor police officers um, that are can, so that are kind of rough and, you know, they take their power to their head. But I also believe that starts at the culture of the police department. If it's your head is wrong, then your body, the rest of the body is wrong. If you have a model of community policing and the chief is putting out positive vibes and encouraging community engagement and community relationships, instead of having the community fear the police, I think you have a better outcome. Uh, when your chief is not really doing anything and it's allowing the police department to go rogue, that's where the problems come. Well, I think it all comes. You look at it in Minneapolis. Yeah. In Minneapolis, I was reading that, I believe one of the police chiefs at that time quit because he said it was so much racism and it was just crazy and it was too rough for him. And, you know, Minneapolis, this isn't the first time a black man has gotten killed by the police officer. Look after Philando Castro. He was in his car getting ready to grab his wallet or something, or was it a gun, but he was telling the police officer he has permission to put it with the gunner. I forgot that story, but he was not, you know, they charged him because he said he didn't do nothing wrong. And long story short, the police officer got off that case too. Well, racism is definitely a big problem in our, in our country and our local community. That needs to be addressed. Um, you know, I, I think here's the other thing. I think everybody has a little bit of racism in them, and they may not ever say it, and they probably get offensive when you say it. But you can be joking and say something. I remember at a potluck at work, one of my jobs, my boss, who she was a Mexican at that time, and she we were eating, and she says. I didn't cook this. This is like white people food. It's no seasoning. And, you know, I looked at it and I said to myself, that could sound racist to you. You know, why would you even bring race up with food? Well, some people, um, might say, or, uh, some people might say, oh, well, you should have said Hispanic instead of Mexican. 
right? Right. Exactly. Right. So I think we all play to it. And that's what I want to get into a broader range. Let's have a conversation about race. You know, that's another thing I want to tell you. The reason why I hosted, you know, the protest, it was originally going to be for next Saturday. And I said, so many, let's just do it for this Sunday. Every Sunday, America, we, it's one of the most segregated days. Each church, you have the white church people going to the white church, the black people going to the black church. Now, you may have some mixed churches, but if we're all serving the same God, why is it so much a racial divide? Mm-hmm. So that was why you chose Sunday. Yes. And it did me proud to see that we had pastors from St. Joe. We had gay pastors, um, straight pastors, black pastors, white pastors. It made me feel good to see that in our community. Well, it made me feel good to see that it was very peaceable and that people were wearing masks and social distancing. Very different than anything else that I've really been seeing, you know, on TV all across the country. And I I give you a lot of credit for doing that and for doing it so quickly, Trenton. We could probably talk about this. Yes, you pardon me. No, I was going to say I, I wanted us to show Southwest Michigan that we are not like the rest, and we proved them wrong. And I think I hope we made Southwest Michigan proud. Well, I know you made you made me proud, and I know that you're going to do even more in the future, Trenton. You started so early as as an activist and somebody that really you know cares about racism and trying to trying to get the cultures together. And I really appreciate that. Trenton Bowens, the organizer of the Peace March yesterday in Benton Harbor. And I believe we might be seeing some more from you. Is that right? That is correct. You know, I my next step is St. Joe. I, you know, they shut their business down today, yesterday. I hope they shut their business down the next time and come and join us at our next protest. <laughs> We're going to be right there in St. Joe. All right. Very good. We'll keep us up to date. And uh, Trenton, how can people reach you if they would like to get more information uh, about helping out with some of your activism work? They can look me up at, on Facebook. Um, my name is Trenton Bowens. Um, or they can email me at trenton.bowens at yahoo.com. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time today. And again, uh, huzzah on a successful peaceful march yesterday and i will look forward to more i'm brenda lane hey it's brenda lane question who's one of the most passionate wedding photographers in the area having photographed over 650 weddings and literally written not one but two books on bridal photography and beauty who went from camera assistant at her professional photographer parents knees as a child to chief photographer and now owner of the business if you said amy witkowski of meister witkowski photography in stevensville you're right and that experience makes her ultra qualified for senior baby family special occasion corporate product, and website photos as well. That's why Amy was my choice for my son's newborn pictures 19 years ago and just recently for Underpinnings Marketing. You can trust Amy Witkowski with your photo legacy. I did. Meister Witkowski Photography, Stevensville. Visit MeisterWitkowskiPhoto.com. Brenda Lane, an Underpinnings podcast is presented by Frederick and Kimberly's Aveda Salon in St. Joseph and Meister Witkowski Photography in Stevensville. Also sponsored by Full Circle Cafe and Espresso Bar in Stevensville. To see resources related to this podcast for sponsorship information or suggest a topic, visit underpinningsmarketing.com. Follow Underpinnings Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. 
Brenda Lane. An Underpinnings podcast is produced by Jackie Bysel at Underpinnings Marketing. Thank you for listening and share with your friends.